Wow, good morning, church. What an incredible, I think we could dismiss right now and this would be okay. Um, but since I've prepared, I guess we'll hang around for a little while. Um, G, you know, Jesus said, and I want to share this, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And here we are 2,000 years later, and clearly the gates of hell have no power over the church. And so what a, what a powerful thing this morning to be a part of this body and a part of this family. As Gary said, we're family, and we are a family here. And so uh, also I have to say this. I will never see fourth and one the same again when I watch a football game. I'll always, I'll always think of Gordo. So uh, fourth and one. Um, but we're going to be in he Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. If you want to be opening up there or it'll be on the screen if you like to just follow along that way. But Patrick has been taking us through the book of Hebrews, doing a great job with, with some help from Dean and asked me to fill in today. And he'll be back next week, I believe, to continue in chapter 12. But we're going to look at chapter 11 today, and, and chapter 11 is the great faith hall of fame chapter. And so what I want us to do is just read together, and, uh, and we're going to read a little bit, and then we'll stop and talk. I'll talk a little bit, and then we'll read a little more and, and, and just kind of work our way through the chapter that way. That's what Patrick has sort of been doing. I like the way he's been working through that way. And so I'm going to start with the first six verses of Hebrews, and then we'll stop and make a few comments, because there's a whole lot to, to look at in the first six verses here. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings and by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This stage is a lot bigger. I've got plenty of room to move around up here. This is pretty cool. I can just kind of wander around. But there's a lot, and I, I want to challenge you, to either this afternoon, tonight, maybe this week in your Bible study, to look at those first six verses of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, and just sort of look at that and think about that. I love verse 6. It says, anyone who, who earnestly, anyone who believes that he exists, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, I believed that for a long time. I thought, you know, God rewards us for believing in him. He rewards those of us who are faithful to him. And I didn't know until several years ago, I was doing a Wednesday night class on the book of Hebrews and came across that verse and thought, wow, there, there it is right there in his word that he rewards us. And, you know, I've, I've seen some what I'll call TV preachers who have talked about how God rewards us. And lots of times, and I don't want to say all of them, but we can stereotype a little bit. And lots of times those rewards are talked about in, in mean in, in ways of a bigger house, maybe a promotion, maybe nice things. And I would tell you that's not at all what the writer of Hebrews is referring to here. When he says God rewards those who believe in him and who earnestly seek him, he's not talking about 
rewards that we can see. He's not talking about rewards that we can touch. He's not talking about earthly rewards. He's talking about other things. And that's, that brings me to the, this idea of faith that we saw in verse 1. I asked a lot of people this week, how would you define faith? <laughs> and I got a lot of, wow, okay, what do I do with that? And, and actually somebody, a couple of people quoted to me, Hebrews 11.1, 1, and didn't even realize it. They said, well, faith is being sure of what we can't see and, and certain, or sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. And I said, that's it, right there, perfect. So what does that mean? And so I, for, for a real simple, real simple answer that I want us to kind of work with, and you can work with your own definition, but, but for me this morning, we'll think of faith as believing in something that we can't see, or maybe we could say believing in something that we can't prove. Right? It's something that I can't prove, but it's something that I, I believe. And so we use, use that as sort of as our definition of faith, but we're going to talk in a minute, we're going to go w- one level deeper with that, with this idea of faith. And so I want you to think about, I'm going to come back to this idea of faith being more than just believing in something. But before I do that, I want to get off on a little, little side story real quick. I was at a church several years ago in Nashville, several years ago, seven or eight years ago, something like that, and I was preaching at this, this congregation, a, a smaller congregation, and it was uh, comprised of mostly older mem- members. And don't take offense, I don't know what, you know what that means to you, but older, older members, whatever that means, older than you it probably is the way to think about that, right? And, so, uh, and it was a loving church. This congregation, they loved us, and they, they uh, were, were very encouraging to me all the time. And this is what I'm going to refer to as a suit and tie church. Let's, let's just call it that. It was a suit and tie church. Yeah, some folks know what I'm talking about here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. But most of, the, most of the men would wear their suits on Sunday morning with a tie. And so it was a suit and tie church. And so I try to sort of follow the rules, if you know me. I, I do, you know, and my wife helps me with that. Um, and, and I need that lots of times. But, um, but so I would wear a suit and tie to church. And so I would, I would wear my suit and tie to this church before I, and, and I, I would get up and preach, but I would do something before I'd get up to preach. We would always, just like we did just now, we would, we would stand up, and I love the way we stand up for all our songs here, but we would stand up uh, during the song before the lesson. And so I would come stand down front and during the song before the lesson, ready to get up and deliver my sermon that I had prepared. And during that song, I would slip my jacket off, my suit jacket. I would take it off and I would lay it on the front pew, and I would get up in my shirt and tie and preach. And Generally, this seemed to go over just fine. I kind of thought I would catch some flack for that, and for the most part, I didn't, didn't catch any flack for that until this one particular Sunday, and I'll always remember this. I, I got done preaching, and I, I got down, and we did the invitation song, and I got my coat, and I went back to the back to shake some people's hands, and, and as I'm shaking some hands, an older gentleman approached me, and uh, he said, Will, do you get hot? And I knew this was a loaded question, right? I thought, okay, I, how am I going to answer this? Do I get hot? How do I? And so I said, and I'm not, I'll try not to say his name, not that you know who he was, but I said, I said, yes, sir, I get a little bit hot. And that way I was kind of leaving myself some wiggle room there to see where this conversation went. And he said, he said, you know, I preached for several years. And I, I think he said, he might have said 50. I don't know how, he preached for a long time. And he said, sometimes I preached without air conditioning. And then he said, I always wore my jacket when I preached. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> and then he 
went on about how it was really important for me to wear a jacket when I preached. And so I told him that I really appreciated what he had to say and that we could certainly, as brothers, agree to disagree, but I certainly, certainly share, appreciated his sharing that with me. And uh, so he said he was going to go have some more conversations with some other people about that, and I said that would be just fine. And so, um, and, and the only reason I tell you that story is not about me, it's not about him, but I tell you that story because that, I've, I've heard the question asked also in, in a similar setting when you talk about so-and-so, I, I've got, I know this guy named such-and-such, and the question is asked, is he faithful? You know, and, and that, you, what do you do with that question? Well, that question means, well, how often does he come to church, or she, he or she, how often does he come to church? What is, is he a deacon? Does he do other things? Is, is, and, and so what that is is a way of sort of establishing a pecking order of faithfulness, right? Well, do you wear a jacket when you preach? Do you do this? Are you like that? How much? And I want to tell you that while there are people who may try to do that, that is not at all what the writer of Hebrews is doing in Hebrews chapter 11. There's no pecking order. There's no levels of faith. He doesn't say, man, Abraham, we're going to read some incredible stories in just a minute. And he doesn't say, well, Abraham was the most faithful. And Noah, I mean, he built that ark. He was, up, he was number two. There's not an order here. It's just faith. It's just faith. There's no, well, you're more faithful than me, and I'm more faithful than you. And, you know, no, we're just people who believe that God exists and who are trying together to earnestly seek him. And wow, this morning has been a testimony to that. What a testimony to have announcements and prayers and, and a farewell and, and just to see what this family does in the way that we seek God together, the way that we earnestly do that. And so I want to mention, well, I told you I was gonna, we we're going to go a little, more, a little deeper in our definition of faith. And so we're going to do that, and then we've got a lot of reading to do. So we're going to get back into our text here. But I want you to think about faith like this. Faith is not only believing, but faith is about what we do because of what we believe. Okay, faith is about our behavior based on our belief. How do we act because we believe? I, this, this idea popped into my head this morning. I didn't make this up. I'm sure I heard it somewhere. I can't, can't claim this, but if, if you were sitting in your house watching a football game or whatever you watch, and, and your house was on fire, or you believed your house was on fire, yeah, well, well, that's too bad. Let's see what happens in the game. No, you would be getting out of the house. You'd be telling other people in the house, hey, we got to get out of here. You would do something because of what you believe. And so we're going to talk about how faith is not just believing, but it's okay, what do we do? And I think next week, I don't want to spoil it for Patrick, because I believe he'll be teaching on chapter 12 next week. But at the beginning of chapter 12, the word therefore shows up. It's the first word in our English Bible in chapter 12. And when you see the word therefore, you've got to look back at what came before it, because the, the, the writer is saying, hey, because of what I just told you, here's what you need to know next. And so chapter 11 is filled with stories of people who had faith and how they lived out their faith. So let's continue on reading these stories of faith. Starting in verse 7, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By, by his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him 
of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered himself, because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And, when, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. I think we sang a song about that earlier this morning. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back by faith. So I'm going to stop right there for just a minute, and uh, I want to point out a, a phrase that showed up, and I'm not a, this isn't a great theological trick where I can go, wow, look at this amazing nugget that I found, but there's a term you heard me just say and, and read along as this term, by faith. By faith. It's, I'm, it's just coming out of my mouth now because we just read it so many times. But by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, and we're going to see it again and again as we continue on through this chapter. But this idea that these people did things by faith. And you see, lots of times when I read the Bible, when I, whether I'm reading the Old Testament, reading the New Testament, I'm reading these amazing stories about people. And I like to sometimes project some sort of superhuman strength, superhuman capability onto these people. Well, well I mean, Moses, we're going to talk about him in a minute. Good night. He had some powers, didn't he? You know, man, uh, they, they, maybe I like to think they had an unfair advantage that I don't have, right? I mean, Noah, to build that boat and to have all those animals just kind of show up and, and to save the human race. But what we see here is that all of these people did all of these things simply by having faith. And the really cool thing about that is that me and you can have faith too. I think sometimes, it, well, you know, man, I, I can't do what they did. I can't do it. I don't have what they had. They had this unfair advantage. And, and yet sure, Moses, there's a whole burning bush thing that, that didn't burn up that spoke to him and stuff, and I don't have that. But we have faith. And I love what Patrick said last week, and I may repeat it again later, but I've heard it from some of you too. Patrick said last week, listen, God doesn't need us to do the big thing. The big thing is done. He's already done it. Jesus took care of that. He wants us to be faithful in the little things. And so I think it's really cool that we see here this example of people living by faith. And so the question is, today, where we are, will we live by faith? Can we live by faith? I want us to continue on in verse 20, and stay with me here, there's some amazing stories. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, when his end was near, 
spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. We can learn a lot from Moses here. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith the prostitute Rahab because she, was, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And we'll continue on in just a minute. But I want us to think about this for a minute. Can you imagine walking around a city, marching around a city? If right now I said, I need you to, to we're all going to go on a long march together. For, well, man, I don't know if I... But if you were physically able, imagine walking around a city and believing that after a certain number of times, the walls were just going to fall down. Oh, yeah, they'll just fall. If I, if I told you, oh, yeah, let's just walk around. Man, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if that's really, is that really going to happen? That takes a lot of faith. It's easy to read that story and go, yeah, yeah, you know, Joshua, they had the, the ark and all that. Yeah. But if I were doing that, if, if I put myself in those shoes, I'm going, well, if that's really going to happen. Think about Moses for just a minute. He had it made. Moses was in the palace, in Pharaoh's palace. I mean, life couldn't get any better. He had everything at his disposal, and he said, I'm going to walk away from that. Because he was thinking of something with more lasting impact. He saw something eternal. It says he saw him who was invisible. Moses had something more in mind than just what he could see, what was around him, what he could touch. He believed in something that he couldn't see. He was willing to give up the pleasures all the things that came along with being in Pharaoh's palace, and he just walked away from it. What's, I think, almost more impressive than that, though, is then he comes back to lead the, the Israelites, and he has to go through this whole thing. He, 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 tell, he just straight up tells God, hey, I don't want to be the spokesperson. I don't want to be up in, I don't want to be doing all that. And God says, well, take Aaron, you, you, you're going to go do it. And so he goes and does it, and he has to do the thing with the staff where he throws it down, and it becomes a snake, and then he picks it up, and it's a staff again. And then he talks to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh gets mad to make the people work harder, so Moses has to go back to the Israelites. They're mad at him now, and he's got to be going, Lord, what, what, why did you? And so then he's got to go back to Pharaoh, and then there's plagues, and then he goes back to the people, and they still aren't free, and then he goes back to Pharaoh, and there's more plagues, and on and on and on. And finally, God says, okay, okay, Moses, we're, we're going to get you out of here, but you got to do one more thing. I need you to take the blood of a lamb, and I need you to spread it over the doorpost, over the outside of your, your front door. And I think at this point, I mean, that, that doesn't sound like a big thing, but if I'm, if I'm Moses, I'm going, Lord, look at, look at all the stuff we've been through. You, you really, I mean, is this really necessary? Do we have to do this? Why, why this one thing, why can't we just get out of here? And not Moses, Moses is just faithful. He said, okay, if that's what you need me to do, let's get the lamb, let's get the blood, and, and let's do it. And so we see that he lived by faith. He didn't question um, because he knew what was ahead. 
He, he kept his eyes focused on what was coming. Um, he, was, he was looking ahead to, what, to his reward. He wasn't caught up in the here and now. And that's what I have so much trouble with, is just fo- get, losing my focus. And man, there's this thing coming that I believe, but oh, there's all this stuff around me that I can see, all this stuff that, that distracts me. And it's a matter of, of being faithful, in the little, again, in the little stuff. Moses says, sure, I can take blood from a lamb and sprinkle it over the door. That's no big deal. I'll just do it. Done. Let's move on. And continue on through the rest of our chapter here. It says, by faith, or, and what more shall I say in verse 32? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fear of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. All right, it's easy to read this chapter and go, wow, man. Abraham, Moses, Noah, uh, Samson, David. And then these people who we don't have their names, we don't know, they, they were tortured, they were sawed in two. And it's easy to, to read this and, and you know, want to almost, you know, like, like Peter at the transfiguration, he said, Lord, it's good for me to be here, let me build everybody a shelter. And Jesus said, no, no, that, that's not necessary. And I read this chapter and I think, man, these people are incredible. Man, you know, and I think the, the, the point of this chapter is to go, wow, these people lived by faith and we can do the same thing. It's not, wow, they're so much better than me. It's not, man, let's, let's establish a pecking order and put me beneath them. Let's live out our faith. I want you to think for just a minute about somebody. Maybe there's somebody in this room that you know. Maybe there's somebody in your family. Maybe there's somebody who's passed on who you could say the same thing. You could say the world was not worthy of them. I can think of people in my mind who I think of. When I go, wow, they lived out their faith. They just, they, they didn't do anything big. They didn't do anything crazy. But they lived out their faith no matter what. I think that's the key thing here. We sang a song last week that, that I always love. Blessed be your name. And it says, blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world is all as it should be. Right? I mean, when everything's going good, right? Man, Thank you, Lord. It's easy to thank God for our blessings, tell him what we're thankful for and appreciate it. But then it says, blessed be your name when I stand in the desert place, when I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. And that's when it gets a little harder to live out our faith, right? But we've got to live out our faith every day. No, man, good days, bad days, whatever happens, there's something more that we're living for. It's not for things we can see. It's not for things we touch. It's not for things we can can acquire for ourselves on this planet, but it's for something much, 
more important than that. We've been created for an eternal purpose. God put us here, and Mark, if you want to be bringing your team up, God put us here to make a difference. And we have that opportunity every day to live out our faith. We don't have to wait for a big moment, for a huge thing that we can do, but we live out our faith in the little things that we do every day. I could give you examples of people who, who did things, not amazing things, but of little ways that they did something, and it influenced a person, it influenced a behavior, it caused somebody to live their life out in a way that we could say, man, the world is not worthy of them. Um, next week, we'll look at the, this idea that something's been prepared for us, and now we get to be a part of something really special. Now, now we get a call to action. But our, our action is not to do something great again. It's just to live by faith. It's no matter what, good days, bad days, good times, bad times, we're faithful. We, we believe something that causes us to be different in a world that needs people to be different. In a world that there's, there's no, no time more important than right now for us to live out our faith. For us to be salt, to be light, and to show that we've given our life to something more than just what this world has to offer.